Hey, it's Adam Sank. And if you like my radio show, you'll love my comedy album, Adam Sank, live from the Stonewall Inn. <gasps> oh my goodness. What? <laughs> Fellatio? Really? Available on Amazon, iTunes, and Google Play. Get ready for comedy. Almost horny. Politics. The gay spin on the story was like, Queen Elizabeth fucking loves us. Pop culture. I'm not a sports fan. I don't follow this shit. Sexual harassment of celebrity guests. And you are always welcome in my apartment in New York City. And by my apartment, I mean my bed. <laughs> and poetry. Hotter than Vesuvius. More well endowed than the Mastodon. It's the Adam Sank Show. On Derek and Romaine 2.0. And for the next hour, you're in the ass. And now, the one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Yes, it's me. I'm the ass. Well, I'm the host of the ass, anyway. This is Adam Sank. Today is Sunday, March 25th. We are not live, so don't call, but this is a brand new episode. If you're listening at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon in the West, all episodes of The Ass are now available on iTunes. All you have to do is type in my name in your browser. You'll also find my comedy album. Feel free to purchase that. Uh, also, guys, leave your ratings and reviews on the iTunes uh, Ass episodes because that helps other people find the show. And, of course, donate to my AIDS Walk page. You can do that by going to adamsank.com, clicking right at the bottom of the page. There's a link to my AIDS Walk. I am trying to raise $20,000 by May 20th, and I have a long way to go. Um, today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, is a, a really uh, a great guy, Matthew Rettenmund. He's an author and blogger. He wrote the book Boy Culture and uh, also is the blogger behind the, the, the blog of the same name. He has written this fascinating article, this blog post called A Brief History of LGBTQ Characters, People, Mentions, and Moments on Mostly Primetime U.S. TV from the 1920s to 2000. It's a long title. But it's also a long article. He wrote 40,000 words where he cataloged literally every single gay thing that's ever happened on American television since the beginning. So we're going to talk to him about that. But first, I have to welcome back everyone's favorite celebrity guest co-host, Romaine Patterson, ladies and gentlemen. Come on. You came back. I did. I can't believe I came back after last week. <laughs> Why? What happened last I week? I don't know. I felt like I was here, but I was I here? I don't know. I'm I'm happy to be here. Adam. What's What's it like doing the show with me as opposed to Derek? Uh, well, first of all, I actually feel if I like if I want to say something, I can, and oh. you'll let me get a word in edgewise. Uh, Shade. So there's that. Uh, uh no, I you know it's 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 very different. It, you know when you're a guest host on somebody's show, I am always I'm always of the belief that you are you're like the the passenger in the car. Yeah, you chime in when it's necessary, but you're not the driver. You got to let the the host drive. There are some people who, when they are a guest on a show as a someone in studio or a guest host. That don't understand that. And I try to be a, a thoughtful and ADT considerate. Jeff. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I try to be a thoughtfully considerate guest host who does not pretend like it's my show. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> but, you know, it, and I was listening to to, uh, to you and Derek recently, and 
it occurred to me that we have very different shows. I mean, oh, as, yeah. aside from the personalities being different, your show is really about Derek and Romaine. Yes. Your lives are there for for everyone to see. Oh, sometimes too much. Everyone knows <laughs> your I mean, we please I know about Iris's mother. I mean, right. that's the de- the minutia, the detail yeah. that you guys get into. My show is a news show. Yeah. We do we do gay news and other silly stories, and then we do an interview for the second half, and it's only an hour long, so it's a it's a different pace and it's a different uh, different kind well, of show. You know, Adam, when when Derek and I were were putting together the DNR network, uh, one of the things we wanted was we wanted to create a, a platform of shows that is very different from us that yeah. that really shows the 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 diversity within our own community that shows that. You know, what Derek and I are interested in might not be what you're interested in. And you might have all this incredible feedback and insight to provide to listeners about a variety of new things that they aren't getting from our show. And so that's part of why we've been very, very selective in who we have approached for shows um, and making sure that we are really getting a good cross-section of our community. Well, I am honored to be part of the DNR family, the, which the first, keeps growing. The first show, by the way. The first show that we said, hey, let's we're, we want to try this. You were the first show. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's a lot welcome. of pressure on me, but I do my best. But you're so good at showing your ass. Uh, thank you. That mm-hmm. is what I'm best at. And speaking yeah. of which... Um, I, I wanted to just whip through a bunch of crazy fucked up stories that I found on the Associated Press. I actually had you in mind with many of these. I can't I, wait. I just pictured reading these to you and listening to you <laughs> react. Ask questions, because <clears throat> I will. I will ask a lot of questions. Good. And okay. I don't have all the answers, because these right. are short stories. But the first okay. one, the headline is... Now, now before I <laughs> tell you this story, there's a twist in this story. Oh. Okay, so just when you think you've heard it's gotten as outrageous as it can, there's a little detail that's going to make you go, what? And I'm going to see if you react to it the same way I did. So the headline is, Texas woman defecates in pants to hide drugs during arrest. (laughs) This happened in Corsicana, Texas. Police say a Texas woman attempted to hide evidence during an arrest by defecating in her pants and using the feces to conceal drugs. Officers in Corsicana, about 55 miles south of Dallas, were investigating a report of a theft at a grocery store Okay. when they attempted to subdue a female suspect and take her into custody. Police say they placed Shannon Martin in the back of their police cruiser, where they say she intentionally defecated in her, in her pants and then hit a crack pipe, 2.3 grams of crack cocaine, and a Valentine's Day card in her excrement. <laughs> Well, she did this wrong. Wait, <laughs> officers had to sift through the women's fe- through the woman's feces to retrieve the evidence after Martin was booked on charges of tampering with evidence and possession of a controlled substance. Go ahead, Romaine. Okay. Well, first of all, she was arrested for stealing something. I'm assuming the card. Uh, I would have dropped the card and run away. But uh, but here's a, here's why she went wrong with the crack pipe. She was okay with shitting herself to hide the evidence. But what she should have done is stuck the crack pipe and the crack up her prison purse. She should have. Her JJ. Yeah, she should have slid that right up her pussy, then taken the shit because they're not gonna go digging around in your pussy when you got shit all over it. They're gonna be like, "Why'd you pull your pants?" And she'd be like, "Oh, you scared me shitless." Uh, like. Whatever they sift through her shit, there's no evidence there, so they're not they're not going up. Into her, they're it. not going up into her vajayjay. Well, I'm impressed that she was able to shit at will. I can't do I that. I mean, 
I mean, she you was on crack. When you're on crack, you apparently you shit. You shit, shit just a lot. happens. No, you know what I would give to be able to shit on demand. Me too. I would give just about it. You know, recently, Adam, <laughs> I didn't have power at my house for a week. Yes, I <laughs> and remember. I had to shit at the office, and it was the worst experience because I felt like I was under pressure to shit, and I couldn't make the shit just come out when I wanted it to. Like, I'm like, please take a shit fast. Please take a shit fast. And then there's people like jingling the door. And I'm like, God damn it, I can't do it. It was the worst. <laughs> the fucking worst. I got to have complete quiet myself. But yes, the Valentine's card is what really got me giggling because it just was so unexpected. I love you so much. I shit on your card. Well, thank you. I mean, what a shitty Valentine. And and also, uh, this story broke um, early in March. So Valentine's Day was long over she was stealing that card for next valentine's day what? she was real what? she was planning she's ahead hold on to that thing for 11 months that doesn't even make any goddamn sense. when you're on oh, crack you do ahead. these things next story the headline is naked airline passenger strips naked watches porn jerks off attacks stewardess <laughs> this happened during a flight from malaysia we have some audio of this uh, uh was this passenger on ambient um well, let's see. Shortly after the Melindo Air flight departed from Kuala Lumpur, the 20-year-old Bangladeshi man took his clothes off and started watching porn on his laptop. The man was a student at a Malaysian university. He initially put his clothes back on at the request of the cabin crew, but then he took them off again and started watching porn. Uh, then he tried to hug female crew members on the way to the toilet and... When his advances were rejected, he became aggressive and attacked a stewardess. The cabin crew had jerking off sounds. It's really disturbing. The cabin crew and passengers reportedly managed to subdue him and his hands were tied up with a piece of cloth for the rest of the flight. Apparently they don't have uh, real high-tech restraints on Malaysian yeah, flights. Yeah, I thought all flights kept zip ties on hand. I'm I guess not. not. Um, according to the Malaysian website Star Online, the man also urinated on his seat. There was no indication Ugh. to answer your question as to why he was acting this strangely. Um, I mean, he had to have been on something. You, normal people don't behave like this. Or maybe mentally ill. Maybe that. But also, like, I mean, how long is this flight? Can I mean, because you can go a few hours without rubbing one out, can't you? Well, unless you're like a really bad sex addict. That's crazy. Uh, this is a problem, though. I that mean, guy's gross. Though. And who's going to pee on their own seat? <laughs> Well, that like a dog. Disgusting. He Ugh. was marking his territory. Disgusting. But, you know, it, nowadays it is possible to watch porn just about anywhere. And uh, I feel like this is going to be happening more and more where these pervy guys are sitting either at a bus station or on an airline flight. We've, we've heard stories about people doing this at public libraries because they don't have a computer at home. Mm. So I go to the library and the librarian finds them whacking off in the corner. So Again, the, you know what? It's always men. You don't hear women stripping down naked and masturbating on a plane and walking around naked. You don't hear women masturbating in the library. No, men are it's disgusting. Men. Men, you men are gross. This is why I'm a lesbian. So I have a question. Yes. Okay, yeah. like, okay, is it like, okay, like I'm public place. Like, let's say I'm just on my phone. I'm just watching porn. I'm not doing anything. I'm not touching myself. Either. Is that disgusting, just watching porn? If just, other people I, can see it, it's not. not I, I think it's, it's inappropriate. Not, it's, it's inappropriate, yeah. But it's on my I don't phone. Wanna, I don't want to see, like, if you're sitting next to me on the bus, because right. I take public transportation, and you're watching porn, and I could see the porn that you're watching because you're sitting next to me, I don't, even if, I don't inadvertently want to see some dick going into some ass or vagina or some cum shot, because, you know, <laughs> man cum makes me want to vomit. So, like, no. They're, they're, you can watch porn all you want. Do it in the, your own private area where I don't have to see it. I do, th I agree. I think no there are certain things you do in private 
and that's one of them. Meanwhile, yeah. another airport story, this one out of Las Vegas. Oh, God. So, you know, uh, this one does not involve cum or piss oh, or anything. It's very clean. All right. But, you know, pot is now legal in Vegas, as in, in Nevada, okay. as yeah, it, it is it, in many Western lots states. Of states. Yeah. So, the police, the authorities have, have set up a pot dump outside the airport. Makes so that sense. when you're getting on your plane, if you're like, oh, shit, I still have a, a you know joint in my pocket or a yep. bag of weed, you can just put them in these. They're called amnesty boxes. They're they're green bins. And um, makes total sense because the, the drug is still banned by the U.S. government and it's illegal to fly with it. So this is a way to get rid of your pot without getting arrested. Um, but what interested me is that the bins, these pot bins are maintained by a private contractor. Who then hauls them, hauls it away and supposedly disposes of it? Now you're you tell me whether you think they're, they're really it. throwing this shit out. They're, they're definitely smoking this shit it. Out. No way. They're I'm smoking it. it. They're smoking it. I think they have oh. a side business. They might even oh, they be sell reselling it. it. Yeah. Yeah, they're probably that's more money to resell it. Actually. Yeah, I think that 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 is more likely what's happening. Especially if they're bud tenders, they will make a lot more money doing that because that's becoming a new thing. There is a ban on um, consuming marijuana in public. In Nevada, including at the Las Vegas Strip, hotels and casinos, you can't just light up a joint when you're I gotta be on honest. the gambling floor. I'm okay with that. And now I'm all pro pot for people who are potheads and want to have their pot. I'm all have your pot. I don't care. But I will say, the last time I was in Denver, Colorado, I was very sad by how much public uh, marijuana consumption I was seeing. See, but there then, was a lot, and it was just, it just made me sad. What makes okay. you sad about it? Yeah, because I felt like oh, it just felt like everyone was kind of just going through life, just dazed and just like in a cloud. And I'm just like, be present. Well, but you walk into any bar, and it's the same thing. I mean, everyone has their drug of choice, and a lot of people that I know don't drink or the, or don't drink sure. much, but they they love to to. Light up I a doobie I at the end of the like day. I just felt like everyone I saw in Colorado was just high, high, high as a kite. I don't smoke anymore, and I, I feel the way you do. I'd rather be present. Right. And being around people who are stoned is kind of boring for me now, mm-hmm. whereas me I too. used to enjoy it when I was stoned as well. But see, I've never been someone who did. I don't drink a lot. I've never drank a lot. I don't do drugs. I've never done No, drugs. you're a control freak. No, I'm not a control freak. <laughs> well, I am a little bit, because my mom did tell me, and this is probably why I don't do drugs, because my mom used to tell me, if I ever lost control of my facilities or my body because I was too drunk or too high, or, then I was going to end up raped. Like, wow. she's terrified. She Betty terrified. really put the fear Oh, yeah, of... no, she did. She put fear in me. And I was like, I don't ever want to be raped, so I'm never doing drugs, and I'm never going to drink to where I'm drunk and stupid because I don't want to get raped. And honestly, I'm thankful. Wow. Because now I don't have any drug addictions, unlike some of my siblings, and I'm happy for that. Good for you, Romaine. Well, here's another pot story. This one out of Selins Grove, Pennsylvania. A crossing guard has been charged with selling marijuana while on the job. To who? To the parents? I really hope it's not to the children, because I have a thing Well, if you to sell children. to the kids, you just deserve to go to jail. Yeah. But, but if, still the parents, if you're selling it to the parents, I'm not... I don't 31-year-old crossing guard Catherine Miller was arrested while working at an intersection near Sellins Grove Area High School. Ooh. Police say she sold marijuana to an informant four times in a month, including twice while on the job. Um, and you know she's gotten slapped hard because selling drugs at a school zone is bad, bad, bad. Four yeah, times, though. It, it doesn't say whether the informant was, you know, you know how sometimes they have cops who are of age, but they're dressed and mm-hmm. styled to look like underage yeah, kids. Age yeah, it doesn't say whether that was the case. Mm. But um, she has been uh, jailed on charges that include delivery of a controlled substance. Dang. Pot is not legal in Pennsylvania. No, it's not. 
Um, all school crossing guards uh, in, in the state have to undergo a background check, and she's worked as one since 2012. Listen, it doesn't pay much. she got to make up the money somehow. I guess, but... But how do you get caught four times? Like How do you get caught selling the same person four times? Like, because she thinks it's just one of her regular buyers. She doesn't know that that's a police informant. That's how they get list. you. All my drug dealers have a list. They're like, if you're not on this list, I'm not selling it to you. I was like, okay, that's fair. Yeah, but they have to build the list somehow. You know, they have to trust you at some point. And what usually happens, at least in New York, is they'll bust somebody like the crossing guard, but then they'll say, okay, you tell us who your dealer is and we'll reduce your... your right your penalty and then they go to that person and say okay we want to know where you're getting and they're they're always trying to get the the the, the big guys yeah that's true also in pennsylvania oh god pennsylvania <laughs> it's the state next door to me okay yeah police in philadelphia excuse me police in a philadelphia suburb it's, it's called east lansdowne received an unusual report that a dinosaur was on the loose a dinosaur Somebody called the police to complain that there was a Tyrannosaurus Rex on the loose. All right, was it one of these little kids in a fucking blow-up suit? <laughs> officers there's no way it was a fucking life-size T-Rex. Officers took things in stride when they realized what was happening. They posted a video showing a person in a Tyrannosaurus Rex costume, quote, taking their kid to school. Officers concluded their report, quote, no problem, clear. So someone is really fucking stupid. So you really call the police because you see a dad walking a kid to school in a T-Rex outfit. Like, how stupid are people? Also, do you not know how large a T-Rex is? Well, evidently they don't. I mean, Because they thought this dad was a T-Rex. Was it just a baby T-Rex? It must have been a great fucking costume. It wasn't. We're not even asking the question why somebody, (laughs) why an adult was dressed as a dinosaur taking their kid to school. Because sometimes when you're an adult, you do these things. You used to work with dinosaurs? Yeah, at the Bronx Zoo, they had the dinosaur safari like years ago, and there was animatronic dinosaurs. And some of these parrots, um, they're not the brightest of the bunch. And you wonder why they have children, because it was like, is this dinosaur real? I was like, oh, God. Romaine, have you ever dressed as anything to take uh, Romy to school? I can't really picture it. I have. What have you dressed Ooh, as? Yes, what? Well, so. Years ago, like for like Halloween and stuff, we would do family costumes and we would all dress up in family costumes. That's cute. Yeah, I don't remember all the ones I've done over the years, but I've done several. But it would be for Halloween, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or not like just like on a we random were zombies day. Zombies or whatever. But I will say this. I have told Romy many times, I stole this idea from Derek. <laughs> I've told Romy many times when I get a call from her teacher and she's not behaving, I tell her, I say, listen, little girl, you know, you get your shit together. Or I will come to school dressed up as a clown <laughs> or some crate as a chicken. I will come to school with you dressed in a crazy ass costume and I will humiliate you in front of every one Terrifying. of your friends. And I will sit next to you in your class and I will make sure you're doing your work. And she gets her shit together. After and let me that. tell you, that is all it takes. She's like, Mom, you can never do that. In the way that your mom scared you with the threat of rape, mm-hmm. you're scaring Romy with the threat of costume. Yeah. And I will. And when she's in high school, oh, that threat will work so well. Oh, yeah. Trust you me. Well, you can add T-Rex to your repertoire because apparently people near you think that dinosaurs are real. Our our last fucked up story from the Associated Press. We've done stories before about when uh, people who have driven into a lake because their their Waze app told them to. Okay, people are stupid. You know, like it says turn left and left is a lake, but they still drive into it. Well, this is a new one. 
A New York City bicyclist delivering Chinese food is blaming the Waze navigation app for directing him into the Lincoln Tunnel. Okay. As someone who drives through the Lincoln Tunnel often, I can just tell you, first of all, every New Yorker knows what the fucking tunnels are. And if you start heading down a road and you see you are heading in, it's not like you can miss that you're heading into the Lincoln Tunnel. There's Especially giant when you're on a signs bike. that say Lincoln Tunnel. You see the tunnel in ahead of you. That you have a million ways and opportunities you can get off the path you are on. And it, by the way, if you ride your bicycle into the Lincoln Tunnel, as a car, a person who drives a car, I would happily run you into the fucking wall for being an idiot. You fucking moron. What the hell is wrong with this guy? Well, a Port Authority spokesman says 19-year-old Bruce Lee, his actual oh, name, was stopped after he pedaled into the <laughs> tunnel, which connects Manhattan with New Jersey. The Staten Island man told police he was directed into the tunnel by the Waze app. He was arrested on charges of trespass and, get this, criminal possession of a weapon... After a dagger was found in his possession. I mean, I'd be carrying a dagger around, too, if I was a delivery person here in New York City. Here's here's what I find confusing about this. Uh, I understand people who use Waze for their driving because I am completely, I I need a voice telling me everything. I need a voice that says, like, stop at this red light. Like, that's how stupid I am a driver. I'm the worst driver. But if you're a delivery person on a bicycle... Your delivery area is relatively small in yeah. New York City. You basically deliver the same to the same 10 blocks, and New York is on a grid. Yeah. So there's no reason you should need an app of any kind. Even I, on my maybe bicycle, can the, find my way around New York. Maybe in the West Village, but that's about it. Well, and the Lincoln Tunnel is... Uh, yeah, Lincoln Tunnel's midtown. You're right on yeah, the grid. You're totally on the there's grid. No there's excuse. no excuse for it. I think the guy may have been a little troubled, as evidenced by the dagger... That I he was hiding in his Chinese high. food. Could have been high, could have been crazy. Just like the Malay- the masturbating Malaysian airline passenger oh, will never know the truth. Mm-hmm. But those that concludes our fucked up stories from the those Associated Press. They were fun, right? Yeah, I like those. Um, someone that we've had on the show before made news this week, and oh, no. uh, JB is in love with him. Oh. And, um, I feel like I just want to have sex with him because I feel like that would just... Make me feel better in life, and then are me you too. top or the bottom in this scenario? Um, he's really fine. I would like him on top of yeah, me, me too. Oh, okay. I want him inside uh, me now. Uh, he's been on the show with his very committed boyfriend, oh, so yeah. we will not be home wrecking, we will be celebrating their love. But Anthony Bowens is his name, he's a professional wrestler who is openly bisexual, and uh, he is part of this. People Magazine is doing um, coming out stories. They're making these videos of of LGBT people telling their coming out stories, which is kind of awesome. And in it, Anthony Bowen says that one of the things that kept him in the closet was the fact that he had to shower with other wrestlers. Take a listen. As athletes, you're a very close-knit group of people. You play on the field together, you're changing together, you're showering together. It made me unsure of, like, hey, if I did come out, would they accept me? Now, for me, showering with other men has is what made me come out. Because I, I wanted to see more naked men. But didn't close you ever up. have this scenario where after you came out that there was like weird, like when? Did, how old were you when you came out? <clears throat> I was out of high school. I was uh, I was in college and I was twenty twenty one. So you weren't doing any like sports teams. I never did that. See, I came out in high school. 
when you had to like how you had mandatory gym classes. So like there was no way like every all the girls knew I was gay and we all shared the locker room. So here's what I did. Such a dick. I on the first day of school when we were in the in the locker room before anyone started getting naked, I just said, listen, ladies, I need to have a conversation with all of you. I need all of your attention. And so they're all like, okay. And this I was said, to your entire class. To my entire class in P.E. And I said, and we were in the locker room, and I said, ladies, I just want you to know, and I looked around, I looked at all of them, I said, I just want you to know, I am not attracted to any of you, not one of you. So if any of you are worried about being uncomfortable, about being naked in front of me, let me just stop you right there and say, you're not hot, I'm not interested, we're all good here. And did that work? Like a charm. Wow. No, it was a total fucking like. Some of them were really hot. Of course. Hot, but you definitely wanted to yeah, see. Yeah, I just told them but I wasn't But that's really smart. Now, if I had done that, I literally would have been killed. I would have had the shit beaten out well, of me. Well, I was kind of a tough cookie in high school. But, yeah, I was not. But I, yeah, it was, I it was remember easy. gym class. Gym class was as close as I got to team sports, right? Because I never competed on any. I think I was in swim I'm team. Shocked. I'm shocked. I was on swim team for like a year in seventh grade, and then I was like, fuck this. Um, but, you know, we had to change for Jim. Mm-hmm. And what I remember is I did everything I could to not look at anyone because I was so aware that someone might see me and go, oh, he's gay. He's looking at me. Mm-hmm. So it's the opposite of what I do now in locker right. rooms, which is I stare at every penis I possibly can. <laughs> of but at the do. time, I was like my eyes were everywhere but on another guy. So um, but Anthony, after he came out, found the wrestling community and his fellow athletes extremely accepting and supportive of of his bisexuality and of his relationship with Michael. And um, the two of them are really becoming stars. They're all over social media and the media. They were great guests and I want to have them back and I want to shower with them. Okay, I I would I would watch at the same time, too. And that brings us. To this week's cocktails and cock talk story. JB is never ready. Ask me no questions. That's the wrong no one. Questions. Yeah. What is going on with you, JB? If I'm not trained, you. <laughs> and now, time for another stupid story from cocktails and cock talk. All right, let's have this discussion off here. So this, <laughs> this week's cocktails and cock talk story is everything you need to know before anal bleaching. Oh God. Now, would you actually bleach your anus? Can I say, Romaine, I have never understood what this is about. I mean, I get it. I, okay. My butthole, first of all, it, it doesn't. Not, nothing needs to be done to it. It is a lovely, hairless, pink pucker. It does not need any bleaching. It doesn't need any surgery. I keep hearing about everyone being so unhappy with their asshole, and I can tell you, this is the one part of my body that I have no. Uh, well, it's not like you're looking at it every day. Qualms about. No, but I've taken a lot of pictures of it, and other people have seen it, and it's uh, <laughs> it's normal and nice. And honestly, I've never really seen an asshole and thought, uh-oh, that needs to be bleached. Well, first of all, I agree. I do. I will say this, and I don't know if it's the same for men as it is for women. I would assume to an extent. As you age, your skin pigmentation in certain parts of your body do change. I know that after having a baby... Uh, that happens a lot to a lot of women. Well, according to the article, the main factors that can alter the color of your anus oh God. are ethnicity, yep. genetics, sure. friction, okay. irritation, and age. Yeah. The skin around your anus one. will be somewhat a similar shade to the skin on the rest of your body. But remember, 
it's where the sun don't shine. So lighter variations may exist. If you have naturally darker skin, your asshole's going to be darker too. Mm-hmm. For the same reason that dicks can be darker or lighter. Right. Um, but this is uh, all according to doc- Dr. Ge- Evan Goldstein, who's constantly being promoted by this website. Um, what happens in anal bleaching is there uh, are, there's a blend of acids that gets... Um, well, first you have to get fully waxed. So you have no Painful. hair whatsoever. Wouldn't be a problem for me because I shave and I have almost no hair there anyway. No, but there's a difference between shaving and waxing. True, but I mean, I've had it waxed, and it actually having my balls waxed was a hundred times more painful than having my butthole waxed. Yeah, okay. Butthole felt kind of good, uh, but anyway, there's an acid called kojic acid, which is applied. The whole process takes twenty minutes. Um, and you have to what? Have your ass up in the air the whole time you're doing this? I think your ass is open to the wind. Here I am. Stick it in. They stick it in. Wow. And here you are. Like, are you literally like in doggy style while they apply this stuff generously I to your asshole? I think you'd have to be because if you were on your back with your legs in the air, I don't think it would be spread open enough. This is why doggy style is my favorite position, by the way, for getting fucked because your I ass is like most exposed. Um, so the safest way to do this is visit a specialized dermatologist or medical professional who's well-versed in anal bleaching. Uh, ask how many they've done. You know, the same as always. Read the right. Yelp reviews. And... Um, Answering the question, how long do the results last? Some people only need one to three treatments, but a lot of people have to keep going back. Some people go twice a year to maintain their what? their desired skin color. This just seems like a lot of work. An unnecessary for, procedure. Yeah, I mean, it's usually pretty dark when listen, I'm getting fucked. Yeah, I just say I go down on a lot of pussy, right? I mean, and I'm pretty close on it. Like I see it, I've been way up in there, and I've never thought to myself, "Ooh, that pussy's got a weird color to it." Right? Like I'm not. Who is looking that close at these assholes? I do notice when a dick is weird looking, but not the color of it. Like, I don't care if your dick is white, black, purple, brown, as long as it's shaped have, like, nicely. like a clear line that of like different shades, like half yes, of it's I've one color, that. half of it's the other Some color. Some dicks are like Michael Jackson. Yeah, totes. <laughs> I've definitely seen that. And that's, none of it bothers me. As long as you don't have warts or any kind of sore, and as long as your dick is, is a nice shape and has mm. a nice head on it, I'm going to suck it. I don't care what kind of it is. I have seen some weird dicks in my day. I know as a lesbian that sounds weird, but ever since I started doing this job, I really have seen some crazy dicks. I think if you have like a weirdly shaped head, creepy. I don't like a weirdly shaped head on a dick. I agree. I also, there are some real crazy twists and turns that some dicks take. And We've I, talked about that. That's called Peroni's disease when it's when it's too curved. Yeah, and honestly, I don't know that I'd want to have sex with that because I want if if I were having sex with a dick, which I am not, I would want it to hit the right spots, not be curving off. You don't want to run left. off to the side. Yeah, right. like that's not fun. Nobody has time for that. Uh uh-uh. uh. Um, one more story, Wait, and no, then hold ho- on. Why oh. is your prep printed on a paper with a jock strap on the back? Because that's what my next story is going to <laughs> oh, be about. Okay. You're you're teasing them with a you're you're tickling <laughs> like, their ass with a feather. I'm looking at a jock strap right now. Have you? heard from our guest jb i'm a little concerned okay he's close all right well that'll give us time to tell this story which i'm going to ask you a question and you're going to have to figure it out okay which famous actor is selling his used jockstrap on the internet a famous actor gay actor straight actor do i get straight a you you get 20 questions straight okay it's a straight actor selling his jockstrap used jockstrap i'm gonna go vin diesel nope Ugh. is it that kind of and guy he's though that's straight uh, I know he's not. <laughs> well, he has been in some action movies, but no, I would not say he's like a Vin Diesel. Is it The Rock? 
Not The Rock. Oh, that was, I, I mean, this I is not that, how you play 20 questions. You have to ask. I would think that The Rock would like have a desirable jockstrap. Is this someone you want the jockstrap of? Uh, some people would, and when he was younger, definitely. Not so much now. Oh, when he was younger, definitely not so much now. Um, ha- does this actor have an Academy Award? Oh, maybe. He definitely has been nominated. I can't remember if he's won or not. By the way, this is a jockstrap he wore in a movie. He wore a jock. Oh, is it that? What? Who's that fucking weirdo that every? Oh God, what's his name? It looks you- exactly like this. Yeah, I. <laughs> I feel like I should know this actor's. I have an actor in mind. I can't think of his fucking name. James. James Franco. Is no, it but that would be a really good uh, yeah, that's guess. That's the one I was. That was the. Okay. That was a great guess. Uh, that was my guess. I, I, don't, I don't. I'm not good at this game. <laughs> the answer is drumroll, pr- please. He doesn't have the drumroll ready. <laughs> Here. The actor who is selling his used jockstrap on the internet is Russell Crowe. I Crow, guess I could see that. Crow is selling off a slate of items that he's amassed over the course of his marriage, which I guess is now over. And his jockstrap is one of those items. Uh, he said, quote, just as we collaborate on the upbringing of our kids, it's easy for us to work together on something like this. I think she feels, oh, this is his new marriage. I think she feels the same way I do in regards to just moving on things that help create space for the future. So this is the jockstrap that he wore when he played a, a fighter, a boxer, in a movie called Cinderella Man. Okay. Which I never saw. Um, it has an estimated value of between five hundred and six hundred dollars. Uh, I feel like it should be more valuable than that. There's a lot of pervy guys out there that would well, love yeah, it. It's going to be For a pervy Russell guy Crow? that buys it. Yeah. For Russell Crowe, though. You don't think he's sexy when he was younger? Oh, think, I think thought, about Gladiator. Come on, Gladiator. He All was right, Gladiator. super hot in Gladiator. Let's talk about now. I would. Though. I would like oh, to. Now I would, he's a creepy dude. Right. So that we're buying drawers for someone of now, not of someone of thirty years ago. I would like to buy his dirty socks from Gladiator. That's or his those sandals <laughs> that he wore. But uh, yeah, these this yeah. jock strap was featured in the scene that depicted the heavyweight championship bout, James Braddock versus Max Bayer. Um, it's brown suede leather with elastic support, and it comes with a letter from Russell. Stating oh. his ownership. Um, he said, my balls were in this sack. There you go. Oh, that's so nice. that's what's happening right. with Russell Crowe's jockstrap. And that does not dovetail in any way with our guest. But he is here and we are going to start because I have been looking forward to this segment for week, for weeks. Our guest today is the author behind such books as Starfucker, the novel Boy Culture, and Encyclopedia Madonica 2.0. He is also the man behind the boyculture.com blog. And he has created a fascinating and massive blog post entitled A Brief History of LGBTQ Characters, People, Mentions, and Moments on Mostly Primetime US TV, 1920s to 2000. Please give a warm ass welcome to Matthew Rettenmond. Come on. Ma- uh, is Matthew's mic on? Now it is. Hello. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming. You I've ch- been looking forward to seeing you for a whole week as well. <laughs> yeah, and this is Romaine. I don't Hello. know if you guys uh, have met before. Matthew, I am obsessed with your blog post. Oh, thank you. I love hearing that. I, I uh, read about it first in The Advocate right. uh, when they interviewed you about it, and then that sent me over there. And I love lists. I love trivia, I'm a, and I'm obsessed with television. So this one uh, is right up my alley. What possessed you to undertake such a, an enormous project? Well, a couple of things. I mean, when you do a blog, you're always thinking about what's going to bring clicks and what's going to be original because a lot of it is aggregated. So once I get into my head that I want to do something, um, I start thinking about it obsessively until I have to do it. So it kind of becomes a 
a matter of needing to do it after a while. But the reason I decided to do this was I ran across uh, the Wikipedia post that was all about pre-Stonewall representations of gay people on TV. And it was fascinating, but it was incomplete, and there was some stuff I knew was wrong. And also, it didn't, it listed things by year, but then within each year, it would put things alphabetically. So I wanted to do something that was completely chronological, so you can see what's building on each other. And I find it interesting to see what's happening at the same time that just get a little closer to the mic, Matthew. And is that was that the primary source for your material? Then was that Wikipedia article? Wikipedia was the starting point, and then I actually asked a lot of people for what they remembered, and there were many things that had not been on the list, uh, things that I remembered myself. Um, and then there's a lot of great books out there too. So. In a way, it's kind of like what Vito Russo did, except I wouldn't put myself on his level because he had to actually do all this without the benefit of the Internet. Vito Russo, who created the Celluloid Closet, which was this uh, intensive history of LGBTQ people in the movies. And he had to do that by hunting these movies down physically and, you know, at times wasn't even supposed to be in possession of them. So, um, of course, very inspired by him. And I think it came out really well. And what was great was as soon as I published it, people started giving me feedback about, well, hey, you forgot this. What about this? Right. And surprisingly, no matter how exhaustively I worked on it, there was always something else. Well, you're dealing with eighty an 80-year period, although uh, there isn't a whole lot in the 20s and 30s. There's, uh, there's nothing. But, <laughs> but I included it because it But you started from right? the beginning of television. I did, yes. Um, Which I don't think a lot of people even realize television goes back that far. Uh, I th- uh, Yeah. I think most people think it started in the 50s. Exactly. Yeah, but, I would have thought that. But in fact, you said the first broadcast ever was... In the 20s. And it was called? The Queen's Messenger. <laughs> so there you go. So that's where I got the title for the post. That Matthew is the Queen's Messenger. Um, how long did the whole thing take you? If uh, you were to add up all the time you spent working on it. I usually do these things pretty quickly, but this one took me about six months because I was very... Um, particular about styling it and making sure I got the dates right. I, I found myself going back and watching things that I knew were correct, but I, I wanted to watch the episode anyway, and then I would find out, oh, this is a really interesting quote that they said in there that isn't anywhere on the internet. So it took me about six months. It was I, I could have been writing a novel. <laughs> well, we obviously can't go over everything on your list because it would be literally like a 10-hour show. Sure. But I'd like to touch on Let's some of the it. ones that kind of jumped out at me. Sure. And uh, the first is 1950 the great comedian Ernie Kovacs had this character, Percy Dove Tonsils, on a show called Three to Get Ready. Tell us about Percy Dove Tonsils. I mean, just the name. Just the name alone, right? Um, Well, that was a good example of how the list is so interactive because I had actually never heard of Percy Dove Tonsils. I knew all about Ernie Kovacs. I was born at the end of the 60s, but I was really interested in everything that happened before in the 20th century, so I knew all about him. I'd actually met his wife on the street. Oh, wow. She was like, how do you know who I am? Um, But when someone mentioned that character, I thought, well, I'm sure it's going to be some sort of, you know, maybe you can interpret it as gay character. So I went and looked it up, and the character is shockingly gay. I mean, he's clearly gay. And this is 1950. He's got a list. Yeah, he's got a lot of stereotypical, but I find it endearing. Like, I didn't find it malicious it, it's he's definitely stereotypical but he's funny and and like percy is talking to his crew and and he's he's actually referring to someone off camera and saying oh this guy has these manly muscle legs um some varicose veins but still really nice right i mean and, and it's shocking to hear that in the 1950s right because there's nothing it else probably went over the heads of a lot of the viewers too. I, yeah <laughs> i would imagine or below the belt the first 
lesbian character ever, if I'm reading your list correctly, was 1961 in something called The Asphalt Jungle. What was The Asphalt Jungle? Right. It's a, it's a drama series. You know, it's very melodramatic sounding, right? Um, and actually, the, this lesbian character it was not exactly breaking ground for LGBTQ representation in a positive way. Um, she was a killer. Um, and basically, oh, so many of us yeah, were. Yeah. <laughs> and she was a butch lesbian, so of course, she's evil. Um, and she was basically this woman who was killing girls on lovers' lanes for being too slutty. So, wow, so there's a double message there. There's a lot of don't, don't be a lesbian and don't be a slut because right. either way, you're, you're, you're either going to be you're a murderer trouble, yeah. or a murder victim. Mm-hmm. But what's funny is, as negative as that is, I mean, there are, of course, a lot of negative or arguably negative. You know, representations on early TV, you'd find more stuff in the movies because the movies could talk more openly about homosexuality. Yes. So they could reflect what was what people thought at the time, which was negative. And whereas on TV, they had to do it so gingerly that when they did do it, it was usually kind of pulled back. Right. Or later on, it was done sort of educationally. So I feel like the, the TV representations were not as negative as a movie. Well, one of these so-called educational programs, I mean, one of the things I noticed from the list is through the years, there were these little news specials that would usually air on a single channel, like KTTVLA. One of the most infamous of these, and I had already heard about this, was um, a Mike Wallace special called CBS Reports, The Homosexuals, and this was in 1967. Tell us about this special and the impact that it had. Well, Mike Wallace was one of the writers as well as you know, the narrator of that special. And it did have a huge impact because it was widely watched. It wasn't one of the um, local things that you're talking about, but it was inspired by that. Uh, I just want to backtrack slightly to sure. say some of those local specials were interesting because that was where they were talking about homosexuality without any veils. You know, it was it was the homosexual. This is an issue, a social issue. Uh, you know, they are they mentally diseased? You know, can they be helped or should they be left alone? They would occasionally show snippets of a gay bar, you know, things that you don't really imagine ever having been on TV at that time that were. But when this came out, this was watched by everyone because it was a huge special on a major network. And it was quite negative because it talked a lot about how, you know, being gay was, you know, was as bad as or worse than adultery, abortion, other things that the country was also, you know, very against at the time. And, and they talked about whether it should be legally punishable just to be gay, just to have sex with with a member of your own sex. And it was kind of, you know, it was negative. And it's so negative that Mike Wallace later disowned it because he As lived, well, he he lived long enough. Well, he lived long enough for the times to have changed to where he, um, he kind of had to. Well, so then we, we moved to the 1970s, and there's a huge shift, it seems, because your blog documents this explosion of gay characters and themes you have sitcoms that, that have either a gay character or a gay subplot on one episode. Mary Tyler Moore Show, Sanford and Son, MASH, Soap, Marcus Welby, Policewoman, Kojak. Uh, and, and one of the earliest of these in the 70s is All in the Family in 1971. And this was a weird episode because it's the, the, the plot is Archie uh, is angry that, that Mike and Gloria have this friend, Roger, that, that, that he thinks is gay, this very flamboyant friend, yeah, right? Yeah, he seems gay. But then there's this twist. What's the, explain the twist. Well, that was the, And Roger was played by Tony Geary, uh, and he was played very flamboyantly, so he's, that's annoying to, to Archie. Um, but the twist is that one of Archie's you know, buddies, blue-collar buddies, is, is actually gay. Right, he's the gay one. And he comes out as gay. So it's one of the a, earliest. I think we have a sound clip of that. Let's take a listen. 10, 12 years? Yeah. In all that time, did I ever mention a woman? 
Well, what difference does that make? You're a bachelor. So? I know, but bachelors, uh, they're always acting kind of private. Exactly. Oh, come on, Steve. <laughs> I mean, I ain't the brightest guy in the world. You want to put me on, put me on, but don't sit there and tell me to do... I mean, look at you, look at... I mean, it's amazing. In 1971, All in the Family is one of the, the top shows on television, and they introduce this character who's not only gay and, and openly gay with Archie, but who's very masculine and very sort of a, a traditional man. In a way, it's kind of like the Love, Simon moment in that it's something that had been done before. Like there, was, there were some out gay characters, very you know, small here and there, but this is a water cooler show, and they know it, and yeah. they take that moment, and they seize it, and I think they did very well with it. They they helped break stereotypes, and they did it in a way that people found, you know, not off-putting. It was amusing. But why did they do it? Did they do it because they wanted to get people talking? Did they do it because they thought it was an interesting social issue to address? Why? I think partly it was such a, a huge topic, you know, in, in the culture at that time that they really couldn't avoid it, especially because their show is known for addressing hot-button issues. And it definitely, the show is a very liberal show. So I think their, their agenda was always to address these things and to educate, but to do it with enough humor so that you could kind of get the audience to go along up for the ride with you. Yeah, Norm, Whereas, Norman Lear was a liberal trailblazer, and he brought back, so there were so many gay characters and themes. They, they had the first drag queen, Beverly LaSalle. Amazing. Who winds up getting murdered. Laurie Shannon, this great, <clears throat> great you know, female impersonator, and that was another amazing, not only was that a great episode, it was she had a two-parter. Yeah. She came back again, unfortunately, didn't survive the second part, no. which happens a lot. In these cases, but, but you was, know, but was shows, mourned. I mean, Edith was devastated, and it was uh, it was very heartfelt. It wasn't they weren't playing her death for any kind of laughs. And in fact, and it wasn't ju- it wasn't a judgment about like okay, because she's the way she is, she's got to die. She was actually murdered. She was gay bashed, and so was Mike. So was you know, so was Meathead. He was gay bashed just for being around her. Wow. So it, it sent a really powerful message. But some of the other shows you mentioned, you get such a, a wide mix in the 70s because they all want to address the, the issue. But they, it's like you were saying, they come at it from different angles. Like something like Police Woman, they had this horrendous episode where these two lesbians were killing old people and stealing their pensions. And, you know, and they were, they were shown as like the butch and the femme. And it was like very domineering. And right. that it, was so negative. It, it feels like sitcoms were ahead Yes. Of where dramas and procedurals were in the 70s. Right. So on the procedurals, you could still be the gay villain, the lesbian villain, the trans villain. But uh, on these sitcoms, you were starting to see more, more three-dimensional side. characters. Yeah. Um, you talk about a show from 1972 that I've never heard of called The Corner Bar that had its f- the, the first openly gay character who was recurring on TV, right? Yes, it was a very short-lived show. Um, it, it did have a, a recurring character. His name was Peter Panama. Uh, paid, uh, played by Peter um, Schiavelli. Unfortunately, Peter Panama was so stereotypical, so flamboyant, and it was clear that he was being played as sort of his gayness was the joke. And it was so obvious that that's what was going on that it wasn't accepted by the gay viewers who it, who it did have. So they actually had activists who came, came out against him the first recurring Those gay character. Those fucking activists and, and I think they're right I in know. this case. They ruin everything. <laughs> in this case, they're right. Uh, and the actor was gay too, And they drummed right? him right off. No, I don't believe he was. No. They drummed him right off the air. He actually was only on several episodes, and he was gone. You, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip that next sound clip, uh, JB, because I want to get to everything. 
this jumped out at me because I loved the Facts of Life when I was little, mm. and I remember the first season of the Facts of Life. They had this huge cast. They had like it seemed like there were fifteen different girls. That's when it was good. Living with Mrs. Garrett, right? <laughs> but I don't remember Cindy. I Tell us Cindy. about Cindy. Well, I remember that episode. I, I loved that whole season because it was just so many characters. You could, you know, there there wasn't just like the stock one or two types. Right. It was all different types. Cindy was great because she was a, a tomboy. Uh, and there was an episode where she hugs a girl and evil Blair sees her and starts insinuating that she's a little strange and they don't really say, Oh, you're a lesbian, but it's obvious that that's what she's talking about. So, and this is so real. the obvious lesbian on facts of life was Joe. Yeah. Right. Exactly. (laughs) She she was the obvious one that was the elephant in the room. She was the lesbian in the room. Um, (laughs) but, but although Joe, you know, Joe had romantic, uh, Mm storylines with, with boys. So she wasn't. Right. Yeah, but as Romaine, you, <laughs> as a as a gay teenager watching that show, well, you weren't a teenager yet, I was, right? Oh, no, I was watching that show when I was fairly young, and I totally loved Joe. I of didn't course. realize at the time I was because I had a giant crush on her, but that was totally what it was. But but so Cindy had this very special episode that Matthew's talking about, and and Mrs. Garrett comforts her, right? Yeah, Mrs. Garrett had to kind of very delicately comfort her about being herself and not worrying about what people think. And I think it was pretty obvious what was what was being said. And considering it was a show watched by children, I thought it was a great, you know, that was a really great example of doing it right. Another, you know, liberal television show that was trying yes. to teach us. With that um, evil Blair. Oh, oh Blair. But God, then Blair became nice over the years. No, she didn't. She I don't know. She, she did Nobody soften. She softened <laughs> I loved lot, Blair. Blair was know. the one I identified mm. with. So then we come to the 80s and 90s, and suddenly on your list, it seems like just about every TV show has at least one episode uh, dealing with gay characters or themes, and many shows have recurring queer characters. The one that um, kind of shocked me, because I never watched this show, was Dynasty. Now, I knew that Dynasty had had gay characters, but I didn't realize that on the very first episode, you have this conversation between Stephen and his father, Blake Carrington, played by John Forsyth. I want you guys to listen to this. You know it already, Matthew, but Romaine, this shocked me. Take a listen. I'm offering you a chance to straighten yourself out. Straighten myself out? I'm not sure I know what that means. I'm not sure I could if I wanted to, and I'm not sure I want to. Of course. I forgot. The American Psychiatric Association has decided that it's no longer a disease. That's too bad. I could have endowed a foundation. The Stephen Carrington Institute for the Treatment and Study of Faggotry. That's rough. Ouch, Dad. That's pretty rough yeah. for 1981. He had to put it, put up with a lot for that inheritance. Yeah. Well, by the 80s, you know, they, homosexuality was was more discussed on television, and so it could also be a little more sensationalized, which, of course, it was on Dynasty. It was kind of this shocker, you know, to hear him say that. But it's also interesting because when he kind of confronts his family about it his sister stands up for him yeah. and says you know she says he wants them all to say you know Stephen Carrington is is gay and she says it and he's still kind of cool to her you know, he still hasn't really warmed up to her by that point it's kind of real it, it definitely is kind of a raw moment Stephen was a tortured character but yes. he wasn't a villain no not at all exactly um but then he had the whole Darren Stevens treatment. It was it was played by another person. I hate um, when that happens. Yeah. And then didn't he eventually become yeah. bisexual yeah. and start Ugh. to be, be with women? I hate a, when that happens. Me too. 
it doesn't usually go in that direction. Yeah, it's <laughs> supposed to go the other way. <laughs> but but it, they were trying to probably appeal to the, the largest mass audience they could. And when you've got a soap opera, you just run out of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, let's make the gay guy bisexual. Let's give him a boyfriend. Oh, let's kill the boyfriend. And that's what happened. Now, in Remember, ni- his boyfriend didn't survive the Moldavian massacre. Honestly, I never watched the show. Now I want to go back and watch every episode. So 1984, a show called Brothers premieres on Showtime. And this one I, I talk about a lot. This is very near and dear to my heart because I was 13. We didn't get Showtime. But in those days, if you had cable TV, you could kind of watch the channels you weren't paying for. They were fuzzy right. and there was interference, but you could... And I would sneak down and watch Brothers every week. Wow. Talk about what that premise was. It's funny. When, it, when we had the box, we would put, put it in between the stations. Yes. And then take a playing card and jam it in there, and you could watch. Um, I, I actually never got to watch Brothers when it was first on. I heard about it. I knew about it. And I think if you don't know about it, it's really surprising to realize that this came out in 1984, had a recurring character who was gay, um, and it was about him and his brothers who were all different types. You know, he had a very macho brother who was unaccepting and... Um, but it was really groundbreaking. The only reason it doesn't, I think, doesn't have a, a bigger place in gay hearts to this day is because Showtime was so small time yeah. at that point. So, but that's also probably where they could get away with it. And it's, it ran for quite a few seasons. I loved it. And, he had and boyfriends. So the, yeah. so the gay character is really cute and you know kind of like a typical guy. Right. But his best friend Donald. Sean Hayes owes a lot to that actor right. because J- Jack, Donald was a precursor to Jack. Yes. He's hilarious and he's super gay. And like any scene he's in is just like funniest scene. And what's great is the gay characters on that show actually have sex. Like they're not. You know, oh, yeah. Of- he The opening episode, the gay guy leaves his wife at the altar and comes out of the closet. Right. And that sort of, you know, is the premise for the whole series. Nice. I want to skip to the 90s. I'm looking at your list. And it suddenly occurs to me that 1994 was a huge year for LGBTQ people in terms of culture and specifically on television. Here's all the things that happened in 1994. Roseanne has a lesbian kiss with Mariel Hemingway. Ricky Vasquez comes out of the closet on My So-Called Life. Ross's uh, Friends premieres, and and Ross has this lesbian ex-wife who's with a, a, a female partner. Pedro Zamora comes out as gay and HIV positive on The Real World. I mean, these are all milestones. Huge. Because this is when I was in high school, and that right? was big shit. What was it about that year? What what happened at, to, to the culture at that point? I really think it's about like looking at the whole list before, like leading up to that. It's like critical mass had finally settled in. Like it, it was finally, it had this momentum, and it settled, and it hit in that year. You're right. It's incredible that it was all at one time. But... There, you get strength from other people doing doing things that you're not supposed to do. And so many people had sort of chipped away at it that it just kind of, I think it occurred to people at the same time, let's do this, let's go all out. And so you do see these things snowballing, you see them building on each other, and they're all huge moments. And they're all different, very different shows. Yeah. I'm thinking of where we were. I'm thinking President Clinton right. had just been elected. Well, Don't <clears throat> Ask, Don't Tell don't ask, don't tell very the, much in the news. Right. The, one of the first things he did was try to... Um, uh, drop the ban, end the ban on LGBTQ service members. He met huge resistance from both Republicans and Democrats in his own party, and then that resulted in the horrible "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." But it, suddenly, everyone's talking about gay people, and I think you have Hollywood responding to that with all of these mm-hmm. characters and episodes. Well, and and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the the Roseanne lesbian kiss episode was called "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." 
Um, it's right. funny, like when things are happening in the government and in news, and you have to address it. I guess that also gives you an in on television to yeah. to have to say something about it. Actually, one of the very first references to homosexuality in a in a news setting on TV was through the McCarthy hearings. Oh, right, so, because they were just quoting what was being said. And so, be- because during the McCarthy hearings, in addition to accusing, <clears throat> excuse me, people of being communists, they would also accuse them of being homosexual. Fairies. But I think we're seeing the same thing that, that you're talking about with, like, the transgender community. It we're is. seeing all these laws and all these things happening in, the, it for, in government with, in relation to trans people. And we're also seeing an abundance of characters now on television where once upon a time we weren't seeing that. Absolutely. And, and throughout this list there are countless, you know, references to trans firsts. Uh, it, it was a little more difficult because you have to decide where you draw the line because there's also a lot of drag used sure. in humor. And some of those really do cross over and some of them don't. Some of them, like I didn't include Milton Berle, Uncle Milty. Yeah, you know? I was curious about that. Why felt, didn't you? I just, to, in my mind, it seemed so clearly not to do, you know, with, with, with gender and with like gender identity. That, and also it would have just been five times as long because... So many shows have done drag right. for a laugh, Flip for a Wilson, cheap laugh. Milton Berle. It's much more interesting when you get into the '90s and you see like RuPaul popping up on episodes, you know, uh, sure. which I had forgotten about. But but I we've mentioned this on the show before. At the time that Milton Berle was going on the most popular TV show in in America in drag, actual men were being arrested for appearing in drag at, at local theaters right. and bars. So it was you know we're such a fucked up time in our culture. It's like it's okay when Milton does it, but if you do it, you're going to prison, faggot. And then there were actual, you know, drag queens who were making money and who were doing those appearances and were beloved. It's insane. Like there were several episodes with, uh, you know, a very famous. I'm trying to remember the name. Very famous drag queen that was on um, Alfred Hitchcock. And you remember this episode where these nurses are all alone and there's some killer stalking pretty nurses. And spoiler alert, one of the nurses is a dude. And that's like this huge shocker that this is a man dressed as, as right. a woman. And this was a female impersonator, a man who in real life was married to a woman. And never got arrested. We're, we're just about out of time, and I have to mention what I consider to be the seminal moments, <clears throat> and they basically end your list. One is Ellen coming out in 1997. Take a listen. Why can't I say the word? I mean, why can't I just say... I mean, what is wrong? Why, why do I have to be so ashamed? I mean, why can't I just say the truth? I mean, be who I am. I'm 35 years old. I'm so afraid to tell people. I mean, I just... Susan... I'm gay. And then a year later, Will and Grace premieres. And there's no, that's no accident. And it's funny because, you know, Ellen and Sean Hayes, Sean Hayes was on an Ellen show recently, and they were joking back and forth, kind of giving each other a hard time. And he was teasing her that she had heard this show that wasn't as, success, as successful as Will and Grace. And she joked back, well, you know, your show wouldn't have existed without mine. That's right. And he admitted it. He laughed. You know, it's true. Ellen changed everything. That's Matthew Rettmond, uh, people can follow you on boyculture.com. Is there other social media that we should uh, follow you on? That's the main one. And when you hear this, I'm going to have a nice link to this list. So as soon as you go to there, you'll find the list. Fabulous. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank I you. really, I, I want to have you back and we can like hit all the ones that we missed. We'll do it all. Romaine. Yes. Thank Adam. you for being with me the oh, last two weeks. My pleasure. Thanks for I've giving me a it. show. Yeah. Um, next week, we will have Ryan Frostig back as guest co-host. Our guest will be the amazing and bootylicious Jack McEnroth, whose ass is way more famous than my ass. People pay to see his ass, Romaine. His ass is nice. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Sank. You can email me at adam at adamsank.com. Download my comedy album. And please subscribe to Derek and Romaine 
at DerekandRomaine.com. They make all of this possible. We do. Have a great week, bitches. And thank you always for listening. And thank you, Matthew Rettenman. Come on, studio. My pleasure. Woohoo!